Pixie swayed along to the music blaring in headphones she probably shouldn't have brought. Stakeouts are about observation, and hearing is usually part of observing, but Pixie wasn't there for observation, or careful planning, or really any of the strategy work at all. The technical aspects of vigilante justice were decidedly not her forte. She'd always been a bash skulls, guns blazing, improv the fight scene type of person. Which worked out fine because the incredibly large man on the roof next to her, Kane, had backup plans on backup plans on backup plans, and at least one crippling anxiety disorder. He was a sniper, and she was fairly certain he'd pass out if he got a drop of blood on his hands personally. But that was fine, because she could get up close and personal, and he could back her from the rooftops. Speak of the devil. He swatted at her shoulder, and she turned to glare up at him. He frowned and glared right back. The mask covering most of his face should have made that impossible to know, but Pixie was well-versed in the art of bearing other people's glaring. She knew when someone was glaring at her. He was still glaring her down a few seconds later, though, and she realized he must have said something. So she gave a put-upon groan and popped out an illicit earbud. What was that? Really? Annoyance was another thing she was well-versed in receiving. She played at confusion because if there was one thing she loved, it was instigating. Really what? We're gathering information, not camping out on a rooftop in the middle of November for fun. She let the confused expression melt away into her feral grin. The eye contact shifted from mutual annoyance to a challenge, and competitiveness was one of Pixie's worst traits. She watched Kane visibly slump in defeat, and the vicious grin widened. Now what were you saying? They've got hostages. Three. You want to go do your thing and get them out? Delight was a foreboding expression on her. She'd been told by more than one person. It wasn't that her face did anything alarming. It was more that whatever caused her manic glee was sure to end in bloodshed. This was alarming to most everyone she'd met. What was more alarming to people was that she didn't care about collateral damage. Caden didn't seem to care, but that was probably because no one shot like he did without a pile of bodies that those skills were built on. He was too good at hitting moving human targets not to have killer in the proverbial file on his mysterious past. He was also far too comfortable with the amount of blood she'd spilled, not to have spilled some of his own. Scaling the warehouse they'd bugged and slipping in through the vents was a bit like climbing one of those jungle gyms on a playground, but like one of those huge fancy ones. 
Finding the hostages was actually fairly quick, and there was a handy little grate for Pixie to drop through, directly into the room below. The element of surprise carried her quite well. It also, helpfully, carried one of her favorite knives into the thug, standing guard's jugular. The hostages, two men and a woman with the wildest curls she'd ever seen, stared wide-eyed. Pixie grinned at them reassuringly, except that everyone who'd seen her grin had informed her that it was actually spine-chilling and the exact opposite of comforting. I'm the better half of your rescue party. The woman had apparently already slipped her ropes and was very helpful in getting them off the man. There were probably graceful, cautious ways to get out, but Pixie had never been one for grace or caution, so instead she opted for breaking a window. Climbing out of it was a bit more difficult, because it involved using one of the now unoccupied chairs to reach it and clamber out. The hostages were not helpful. Mostly, they stared in confusion as she did this, but they did have the good sense to follow her out the window. A few more thugs went down with a bullet to the head, and Pixie waved at the now visible rooftop across the street. She didn't bother running now, since they were in view of Kane. He would cover them. So she strolled back to their rooftop, and with nothing to do, the hostages followed. I brought guests. She felt she earned the pleased note in her voice. Kane's expression was probably as blank as his mask, but it usually was when he wasn't actively annoyed or in a panic. Care to enter Marcus? It was interesting to watch horror dawn on someone almost entirely through body language. It was different from his frantic, calculated actions when panicked. The objective of those was get done, get out, break down in a safe place. But Kane turned to the hostage lady and really registered her for the first time. He staggered backwards. Pixie jumped towards him and got a hand on his arm, drawing his attention. Hey, look at me, not her. Breathe. He was shaking, and his breath was coming out in ragged gasps. He had apparently skipped the first two objectives and went straight for breaking down. Pixie decided she did not like horror on Kane. She also decided she did not like the hostages. Do you want me to kill them? Four months ago, a small woman watched Marcus Braxton claw his way out of his own grave. He wasn't dead, not when he was buried. Despite the best efforts of life and the tall, dark-haired lady who'd buried him, asleep but alive. She hadn't wanted to intrude, not least of which because she didn't want to end up in a grave beside Marcus, 
There are people you see and you know you couldn't take them in a fight. That was what happened when the small woman watched Marcus get buried. At the time, he was a stranger, so it was no skin off her nose. You're alive. She said it like a statement, a fact, because it was both those things. He glared up at the hand she'd offered, from the pit he'd managed to dig out. She wasn't actually sure how he'd managed it, but he had. By all rights, he should be dead, but he wasn't, so what was left to do was help him out. Fuck off. She grinned, something she knew was unnerving. You're not in any position to refuse my help, buddy. You couldn't have helped three feet ago? I didn't think you were gonna make it. His face shifted from annoyed to angry as he scowled at her. She decided she very much liked his scowl. She was going to keep this man. The other lady had thrown him out, so really he was fair game. Still scowling, he took her hand, and she pulled the man who shouldn't be breathing out of his grave with strength and ease she shouldn't possess. He assessed her more carefully after letting himself sprawl across the grass, exhausted. Who should I be thanking? Julia Montgomery. I've decided you're mine. He pursed his lips, in an expression she didn't know, but one that wasn't pleased. Marcus. Marcus Braxton. I know. The woman who buried you splurged on your gravestone. Marcus could scowl and look irritated all he wanted. He still wasn't getting rid of her. Three months later, Pixie and Kane made their first headline. 